0: 2024 marks the 100th anniversary of the Royal Canadian Air Force with celebrations and events planned to honor those who have served and those serving today while inspiring the next generation of RCAF personnel. Visit rcaf2024arc.ca to learn about the RCAF's past and current fleet of more than 200 aircraft, plus the many planned activities including airshows, e-gaming tournaments, the RCAF Run, Canadian Tulip Festival, and STEM activities for youth. Then, on April 1st, in recognition of the positive impact the RCAF has had worldwide, businesses, cities, and landmarks around the world will be illuminating in Air Force Blue to celebrate the occasion. Join the fun. Illuminate your residence or place of work in blue to show your support while joining a world record attempt for the most landmarks illuminated within 24 hours. And when you do, share a picture on social media using hashtag RCAF2024, hashtag RCAF100, or hashtag Your Air Force. Again, RCAF2024ARC.ca to learn more about the Royal Canadian Air Force Centennial. Hey everyone, Vincent Aiello, callsign Jello. And this week on the Fighter Pilot Podcast, we're trying something different. We're airing an Authentic Media Snapshot, as we call it. It's a portion of one of the shows that are military aviation-based from our friends over at Authentic Media. I think you're going to enjoy it. Here we go.
1: Hi, this is Craig Snyder, Call Sign Crunch, and this is Airboss. This is Authentic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the newest podcast. You may remember me from the F-14 TomCast. My name is Craig Snyder, Call Sign Crunch. And as you recall, BioBoranik and I did a one-year, 26-episode program all about flying the Tomcat. Well, we have a new podcast where we're going to dive into an entire series on Airboss and the Air Department on a carrier. I am joined by my good friend, Commander Shannon Coulter, callsign Flash, and we're going to go through this six-episode series talking all about Everything that you might want to know. A little bit about me, as you may recall from the F-14 TomCast experience, is that I am an F-14 pilot. I'm an F-18 pilot. I spent uh, some time flying all models and series of the F-14A through D and the F-18A through F. I spent some time as a Top Gun instructor pilot. I was also an air boss on the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower. Flash, how are you doing?
2: Hey, Crunch, how you doing? It's it's good to be with you this morning. My background, I I was an F-14 radar intercept officer, or Rio, and uh, spent uh, quite a few years with the privilege to fly that fine aircraft. I only made it up through the B model. Didn't get to see uh, all the fancy stuff uh, going on there in the the Delta, but the B was a pretty impressive uh, airplane as well. More relevant to what we're going to talk about here, once I got done with my... um, uh, flying tours there in the in the Tomcat. I uh, moved on and uh, eventually became uh, your mini boss on Eisenhower, uh, which was a great experience. We ended up doing actually two deployments, right? We had a that's right we had a, a six month there from uh, July through December. And then we, uh, you know, the leadership had the wisdom to bring us home for a, a break for a couple months. Then we had to back out for four more months after that. So uh, a little unusual, but a lot of, of experience on Ike. And then uh, I actually followed that tour up with a strike operations tour, which is essentially the scheduling department uh, on Eisenhower. And then uh, once I got done there, I moved on to Naval Air Systems Command in Patuxent River, Maryland, and uh, started working for PMA 251 as their class desk. Uh, which is essentially fleet liaison type work going from from the 50-pound egghead engineering kind of guys out to the fleet and, and vice versa. I retired in uh, 2019, and um, they couldn't find a replacement for me. Uh, so I basically just took off the jammies and put on some khakis, and I've been working uh, for those guys ever since. So PMA-251 is responsible for All-Ray, or Aircraft Launch and Recovery Equipment, All-Ray All-Day, and specifically, I'm working for uh, AAG, the Advanced Resting Gear and uh, Electromagnetic uh, Aircraft Launching System, AAG and EMALS on Ford. And I'm the Ford Assistant Program Manager for Systems Engineering out there and have been for the, for the last three years.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm excited that uh, we're, we're both on this and I think that you're bringing a wealth of knowledge and everybody's going to be really excited to hear about all the new technology coming out on the Ford and what it means for the future of the fleet. So what is the concept of this podcast is that we are going to step through the air department. We're going to talk about the flight deck, the hangar deck. We're going to talk about the catapults, the resting gear, the aviation fuel system, the tower, the handler, the Ouija board. We're going to talk about the steam catapults and the emails. We're going to talk about traditional resting gear. And now, advanced resting gear and we're going to talk about flight operations going out to about five miles from the ship both day and night and a, we're going to have a real fun episode when we get a bunch of shooters on and uh, have a conversation about what it's like to be a shooter on the catapults shooting those airplanes off overhead uh, at night and burner it'll be a lot of fun so That's the concept of what we're going to do.
2: Yeah, I I think we're going to approach this as as if uh, we were doing a Tiger cruise, right? And we've got a bunch of uh, visitors who are vaguely familiar with what their uh, young men and women are are doing at sea. They've heard a lot of stories, but they've never seen it in person. And I think there's a lot of things going on in the background that casual fans of naval aviation may not be aware of. And it's a really great opportunity to shine a light on the youngsters who, who are working really hard below decks to enable
1: superstars, uh, to get off the deck and, and go do great things, uh, airborne. Awesome. All right. So that's the summary. That's a, uh, that's it for episode zero. Like I said, we're going to be doing six episodes. Should be take us about a month to put all of these out? Uh, after you hear this one, we should be rolling right into episode one. So we're going to get started on that right now and, uh, let's get started. So today's episode, we're talking about the differences between a Nimitz class carrier with steam catapults and conventional resting gear and the new Ford class of carrier with emails, the electro, the, the, the fancy new electric catapults and the aag the advanced arresting gear so flash you know so much about these systems you've been uh, up to your eyeballs in the ford you were on board for what 93 percent of their traps so far it's been underway for several years and you've been underway the whole time right
2: yeah just about real real close so so for sure more than 90 percent. they they were out I, there here uh in november uh and i was i was back ashore thankfully but uh, but yeah real close
1: how many traps have you witnessed on board the ship? On the How fourth? many
2: traps have I missed? Uh, witnessed, witnessed. Less? Th- oh, witnessed. Uh, eleven thousand plus.
1: That's right. a lot. So, yeah she's, <laughs>
2: yeah, she's got she's got twelve thousand under her belt, and and I've been out there for eleven thousand of them. So,
1: that's incredible. All right, that's amazing. That is absolutely. So, did you get a special cake? You like the, for the ten thousand? <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> no, the ship the ship no. had
2: a special cake. Yeah, the ship, the yeah. ship got a cake for ten thousand.
1: Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's funny! Awesome. So let's uh, you know, big picture. What's what's email? You want to talk about emails or AAG first? What do you want to do?
2: Well, I tell you what. I thought maybe we'd do a quick overview, right? uh, Yeah. Of everything, and and yeah, get into because there's more than that, isn't there? Yeah, our our specialty. Right. And, and so I want to preface this with nothing I'm about to say isn't fully available on the Internet. Anybody can go read it anytime they want. I don't want anyone to concern that we're giving away the, the nation's secrets or anything like hmm. that. And, and with that being said, you know, it's it's been a while. Right. Uh, Nimitz commissioned, which is, you know, basically our, our last class of carrier, the Nimitz class carrier. USS uh, Nimitz was commissioned in 1975. So you're looking at, you know, nearly 50 years ago. Bush, which is a variation on Nimitz, still a Nimitz-class carrier, but she's the first one that went to the three-wire configuration. Uh, She has what we call fat cats or C-13 TAC-2 cats, which are larger pistons, right, a bigger Mm -hmm. shotgun. And then Ford... Commissioned in 2017, and obviously the the lead member of the Ford class of aircraft carriers, you got Kennedy, Enterprise, and uh, Doris Miller CVN 81 coming on her heels here next up. So in general, Ford is designed with two A1B Bechtel reactors, and Bechtel kind of took over the reactor business from uh, Westinghouse. I so did it's, not it's, know that. It's their initial <laughs> it's their initial foray into into yeah. naval. Uh, nuclear power, and that and, is
1: a U.S. company, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah We can only <laughs> hope, right? No, no. Yeah. They're US, they, they, they specialize in in nuclear power plants, right? They build like eighty yeah, percent of the power plants in the nation, kind of a thing. So they, it's not like they're inexperienced; they don't know what they're doing. It's just it's just uh, their initial uh, run into the world of carrier nuclear generators. So, the thing about these power plants, right, as opposed to to our Nimitz class carriers is they are designed to produce electricity instead of steam. So they produce mm. about three times the amount of well, and their supporting equipment, right, the turbine generators, etc., produce about three times the amount of electricity that the Nimitz class reactors did and so the only thing that we use steam for is to drive those turbine generators which then you know translate into shaft power for the ship right and and if you remember when we were in the gulf and you have to share steam between the shafts and the catapults well sometimes we would be launching and have to take a little time out while we built steam back up on the cats if we had, you know, an extremely hot day, so very low density altitudes with extremely mm-hmm. low winds. So we're making a whole bunch of speed through the water, and we're using a whole bunch of steam to do that. And then we're trying to siphon off some of that steam to run the cats. And if you're if you're shooting four cats, and so you're using up that steam at a high rate, then uh, you can't sustain it, right? And and so with, with e-malls which is obviously completely electric— Right, you don't have to split the steam between the shafts and the catapults, and therefore there's no such thing as a as a break required if, if you run into a condition where you've got to go full bore with a high density altitude type situation, and and you you want to keep launching.
1: So just so, a, real quick though, so the purpose of the nuclear reactors. So you got two of them in the, on the Ford class. You got two mm-hmm. reactors. They still produce heat, which creates steam. Right. Right. And the steam yep. is drives the turbines who that move the shafts for the propellers through the water. And then I'm sure some of it is then used for turbines to spin electric generators, right? Yeah. Is that yep. that's Okay. Yeah. And so regardless of the load on those electric generators, it still gets the same amount of supply of steam. Is that basically what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah,
2: it's, yeah. roughly?
1: I mean, yeah. neither one of us yeah. is nuclear. And, engineer, I, and right? I'm
2: not a nuke, right? So. Yeah. So, I don't, I, I mean, the important takeaway for roughly me, for the, that's the concept. Yeah, for the basic guy, it's just, hey, I don't have to give away steam to run catapults. I can dedicate all of my heat and my steam power generation for, to, the, to the, the shafts and then running the uh, turbine generators for electricity.
1: So, that's a really good point. And, you know, we, you and I have spent a lot of time on nuclear carriers, and they're, they're, that was always a big thing that you had basically had to share steam. You know, it doesn't matter what you're using it for, whether it's creating hot water for the ship, you know, whatever the case is, creating fresh water, you know, holy cow, I and wonder so how can, that system you works. You can do
2: all <laughs> kinds of cool stuff with that extra electricity, right? Not only yeah. does the electricity support emails, but it also supports dual band radar, uh, which is, you know, much newer and, and a whole different uh, transformational technology over our uh, rotational radars. Right now, I can't remember what they're SPS 49 and 48 or 41. What? what yeah, yeah. Wh- well, spin 41 is was our approach radar. Or, oh, I'm okay. sorry. All right. Spin 41 is ILS, right? So just oh, good just the one way. Spin 46 was our approach radar two way, back and yep. forth with the uh, with the airplane to for auto landing modes, right?
1: Right. ACLS, um, automated carrier landing. Yeah. ACLS. System. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So and then if you wanna if you wanna have fancy toys in the future, you know suppose somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Invent some Star Wars laser beams or something uh, in the next twenty-five or, or ten years or whatever. You've got tons of electricity to support those kinds of weapons that don't, you know, that that need that kind of extra power, right?
1: Interesting. Okay, so that's an that's a neat nuance. I was unaware of. I mean, it's obvious now that you say it. I was completely unaware that that's how it was it was designed. So that's that's cool. Yeah. it so is what? It, it, it is yeah. Cool, so yeah. so you got all this extra energy. This like extra electricity, and first, well, maybe you got more to talk about, but I mean, you're diverting a lot of that goes to the catapults, right? I mean, got to figure they draw a ton of that electricity when they need it, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh, we'll keep going with the with the Ford oh, basics. Oh, sorry, and get, then, I'm trying to get and ahead then of I'll ca- yeah. no, I'll come back to emails and AG, but but you are.
1: I'm a simple guy. I want to talk about flying. I want to talk about launching and landing. What but what's the re- well, It's well, Disneyland, yeah. right? Right. So. <laughs>
2: So in on a on a related on a related note, right? Because I because you you do bring up a good point. We're here to talk about flying. So no, um, yeah,
1: yeah, but everybody wants to hear about the Ford because there's so much neat stuff here. So please continue. Yeah, the,
2: the, she she has 50 um, percent more AC plant capability because you got to cool all the all the electronics. Yeah. she's got including our stuff. She has. But all 10, that air conditioning,
1: it all goes to the electronics. I bet none of it goes to birthing or the staterooms, does it?
2: You are incorrect, sir. So (laughs) Ford is the coldest ship I have ever been on in my life. And people will tell you that they will remark if you visited Ford, you would come out of there going, why was I wearing a coat in the middle of the summer? Right. So it's I mean, it's not it's not. Well, it is that it uh, actually that is true. If you're I've been in staterooms. literally in the middle of the summer and it's 85 90 degrees outside and we are in our sleeping bags with our sweats on and a jacket on and your little nose is freezing off Um, that is incredible that that ship produces air conditioning like i have never seen a ship produce air conditioning
0: so that's awesome
2: and it goes everywhere it is in your stateroom it's in the electronic spaces it's everywhere so it's it's pretty impressive uh the amount of of AC she can put out. She's got ten stores elevators versus two. We talked a little bit about DBR. That's going to be a one-off for Ford because they're moving to the Enterprise Air Surveillance Radar for all for CBN seventy-nine and beyond.
1: What's uh, I'm sorry, backup DBR?
2: Uh, dual band radar. So her, her oh, right. air surveillance okay. search radar and and it doubles as a surface search radar. Does everything right. It, it yeah, handles gotcha. all of her requirements. And then you know weapons elevators. She has 11 versus 9 on Nimitz, and they each have about two and a half times the uh, load-bearing capacity of of Nimitz. And then there's a dedicated weapons handling area. So, you know, on Nimitz, if, if you got into a hot war and you had to build up a bunch of weapons in a hurry, then it was on the mess decks. Right. They converted right. the mess decks to a weapons handling area. On Ford, the weapons handling area is dedicated. And that's 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 its sole purpose in life is to move ordnance, to build weapons and move them through that, that weapons area and get them to the flight deck. And then the way that the weapons elevators are arranged on the flight deck, they kind of deconflict with the parking areas so that you can use them, right? When when you're oh, nice. when you're when you're not or while you're conducting flight operations. And, um, and so that, that's also another, another cool
0: feature. Attention veterans, obtaining the right medical evidence could make a significant impact on your disability rating. It's easy to feel overwhelmed with paperwork, or you may have no idea how to get started. If your disability rating is at or below 90%, allveteran.com is here to help. All Veteran is a powerful resource that can help you collect the needed medical evidence to support your service-connected disability and potentially increase your rating. Simply visit info.allveteran.com forward slash jello and fill out the form. It only takes a minute. Soon after, you'll be connected with medical specialists who have helped thousands of veterans gather the evidence needed to accurately increase their disability rating. No hassle, just a straightforward way to accurately support your VA disability rating. An increased rating may be easily within your reach thanks to this valuable resource committed to ensuring you receive the benefits you rightfully earned. Get started today by visiting info.allveteran.com forward slash J-E-L-L-O.
2: They redesigned the flight deck, moved the island uh, well aft, and made uh, somewhere between six and eight more parking spots forward of the island. And what that does is, obviously, you don't have to reposition airplanes as much after you land them. You can park them forward of the island. That's where you're going to do... Quick maintenance, refuel, rearm, and get them right back out, right? And then they, they designed the, the flight deck in a kind of this pit stop concept where they embedded refueling stations in the flight deck. Like Nimitz has no refueling stations anywhere but the catwalks. Nimitz has 17 refueling stations. Ford has 40. So oh, Wow those six refueling stations in the flight deck, you can just grab a hose, go straight to the nearest airplane. And and the great thing about that is like if, if we if you and I were refueling planes on fighter row, we had to drag that hose across the street and now you can't taxi any airplanes in there. Right? That's right. Whereas on Ford, those refueling stations are in the flight deck, right next to fighter row, and so you don't have fuel hoses crossing the street. And now you can taxi guys in and out of there while you're still refueling. Uh, Bubba's on fighter row, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's
1: amazing. Yeah, and then also I think about as I think about this. So you land. And you clear the landing area, you, you de arm. And a lot of times, you know, especially if you're uh, a Tomcat type guy, you know, you're going to be turned to the right and you're going to be, or, you know, you're going to be stuffed somewhere while they wait to, for the recovery to complete before they taxi you aft to shut you down and do the switch. When you have all these extra spots forward of the island, they can just actually chalk and chain you, shut you down. You've already started the maintenance. You've yeah. already started swapping yeah. crews. Wow, what a great process for improving turnaround time. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, that is that is exactly the idea. Uh, I think we discussed previously, JBD-2 doesn't foul the LA, so you can yeah, launch and right. recover simultaneously off of JBD-2. jbd full is a full-size JBD, so uh, you don't have any restrictions on afterburner shots on JBD-4. Mm-hmm. You can take a fully loaded aircraft off 4 and not have to worry about it.
1: Um, and the difference being that on the Nimitz class, if I'm not mistaken, it's a three-panel JBD on Cat 4. Isn't that right? I'm trying I, to think. I don't here. think it's
2: three. I think it's uh, it's either it, it's four. It, it's a minimum of four, but it's either four or five. I want to say it's four I, panels on, on JBD. Oh, okay. Four. All right. Oh, I'm, I'm so making it's, stuff it's, up there yeah, as There, there are here, six but, total panels for, J, for a normal JBD and and i, it's I know six? that the, okay yeah yeah I, I know that the that cat four on nimitz is not a three panel jbd it's at least I, I, four i kind of thought it was five but i could be wrong it's I, it's to, something it
1: less than a full-size jbd it, it cat absolutely 4. is yeah yeah it absolutely and, is. and you're saying and on a forward class i've got a full jbd so i can do yeah. anything because like a, a tomcat was not able to go onto cat four and go into afterburner on cat four and i'd think exactly yeah so a hornet a baby hornet could Could. i think a super hornet could but i mean there was just more jet blast going around this thing because it was narrower yeah 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 Yeah. absolutely Yeah. yeah well cool
2: so all those things together combine to produce a higher sortie generation rate for ford over nimitz so the whole idea right behind the team is to get combat power projected downrange and so the faster that we can turn around airplanes in terms of refueling, rearming, maintaining, then the more sorties we can stick in the air per a given amount of time, right? right. And that's that's all of those things we just talked about contribute to turning airplanes around faster. And I think there's a common misconception out there, at, you know, you tell me, maybe, maybe not, that EMALs and AAG, so the our catapults and arresting gear um, somehow contribute to this faster sortie rate, but they don't. And the mm-hmm. reason they don't is because they were dictated that the interfaces between the aircraft and the equipment had to be identical. And that makes a lot of sense, right? We can't right. we can't introduce a new piece of equipment that then requires us to redesign the entire aviation fleet, and potentially making them heavier or incompatible with Nimitz, right? We can't have Ford airplanes and Nimitz airplanes. We need airplanes that are the same on both and the pilots should not know the difference. And, and they don't in terms of their procedures, right? The way that they approach the catapult, the way they arrest, et cetera. As far as the pilot's concerned, there, there is no difference. The difference is all below decks. And so because of that, your limiting factor is how fast can I load an airplane onto the catapult or how fast can I recover an airplane? And AAG and EMOLS don't affect that equation at all. It takes a certain mm-hmm. amount of time to taxi over the shuttle, to do the same steps that we do on Nimitz in terms of uh, taking tension and stepping up the cat and launching it, etc. So th- those numbers, as far as how long it takes you to do all that, are the same for both pieces mm-hmm. of equipment.
1: Gotcha. Now the only limitation, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you cannot shoot two catapults at the same time, right? You cannot do a covey launch with emails. Yes,
2: that yeah, okay. that's correct. That is a software limitation that uh, they built in, you know, back in the day, and and I'm not sure, you know, what who who came up with that. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a software. Like, so it's no matter a who software limitation. It, you can't do that's it.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I had thought it was a basically a capacitor charging issue. I mean, I assume right, they're big right. giant capacitors, but that's not the case. It actually is. No, a there is
2: there is plenty of energy uh, in in malls and so I, and so I guess we'll just transition to e-malls, right? Because you sure. you asked before. About you know
1: about <laughs> how sorry I, I I keep throwing you off off your your game here but uh, <laughs> no 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 yeah no,
2: it's, it's it's great so EMALS the electromagnetic aircraft launch system right is is kind of magic right we're, we're, I mean if you think about it we're we're throwing seventy thousand pounds of metal airborne with a magnet but really mm-hmm. with electricity that's producing magnetism right? right but there there is no physical contact between the energy source and the bullet if you will right you don't have steam pushing a piston you just have magnetism grabbing a a 2000 pound armature and throwing it down the deck and so it's a little freaky the the first time uh you you see it or you're near it there's no slam from the water break right there there, there's no such thing as a water break so when these things get to the end of the catapult they just reverse the magnetic field and it just goes and stops there's no thump there's no nothing
1: it stops in, like, the span of, like, two or three feet, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe yeah, less. Yeah, it's a little more than that. It's something oh, okay. on the order right.
2: of 12 feet or so it takes to, oh, to okay. reverse all that. You know, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, we can get it up to some pretty significant knots. So it takes a little bit to, to get that thing reversed. But it's it's quick, and it's silent, and we used to, like, when if you launch a prop on Ford, the island is so far aft of Cat 1 and Cat 2, actually even Cat 3 and Cat 4, But if you launch a prop on Ford and you're not watching it happen, you won't know it happened because you can't. The props are too quiet and there is zero sound out of the catapult. You know, there's no there's no thump at the end. Like on Nimitz, you know, every time there's a launch, you know, right. On forward, yeah. You're, goes, you'll be down in the you'll you be
1: down go. in the dirty sh- the dirty short wardroom of <laughs> forward, right. And having dinner and the catapult strokes and all the dishes shake and the water glasses are yeah. spilling over and everything. <sighs> but not in this case. It just yeah
2: goes. It, yeah Every every time the water breaks go. So we were talking about the reactor and eMalls. The way it works is the reactor sends a whole bunch of power to our motor generators and our motor generators are just kinetic flywheel storage devices right so you you've got a huge flywheel you spin it up to x amount of rpm and then it just it take doesn't take very much energy to keep it spinning at that rpm and they, when we're doing flight ops, that's it. Those things are always spinning at that RPM. Then when you want to launch, you trade just a little fraction of that kinetic energy for a pulse of electricity. And by pulse, you know, we're talking about three, three to four seconds of, of output. And all that is fed into one catapult. And that's what generates your magnetic field, which is then sequenced through uh, motor modules that are spaced down the cat and that's your launching impetus. So the only recovery time is just is just how long does it take to spin that those motor generators back up to a launching RPM, but secret sauce, they don't ever get below launching RPM. So oh, wow. you can just launch, 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 launch. The software keeps you from launching two at the same time, but basically you can launch them as, as fast as the next shooter can turn around and get the next one going. So it, so tactically, even though you don't have the cool cubby two airplanes coming off at identically the same time, tactically, you get airplanes off just as fast as Nimitz can, uh, they're just sequenced instead of, you know, two at a time.
1: So what's the, so there's a software limit says you can't do it at the same time. What is the time difference that the software, if you can tell us? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's,
2: it's it's in the neighborhood of 30 ish seconds, right? It's a little less. Okay. Yeah. But you gotcha. know, every every thirty seconds, you can get one off, and and you can actually do better than that. But but uh, I don't, yeah, you know, I don't know where that's floating around. So, so we'll keep gotcha. that exact number uh, to ourselves. But but they somewhere you, around
1: thirty seconds. Good. Yeah,
2: you can you can do better than thirty seconds.
1: All right. So well, kind of like, you cause... know, how
2: fast do carriers go? 30 knots? <laughs> so yeah, for, that's right. They, they can do quite a bit, you know, quite a bit more than
1: that. <laughs> so I've heard. Um, so awesome. that. So I've always heard some bad gouch. This is really interesting because I had heard that it would take, you know, you would launch one and then it would take a full minute to recharge the capacitors before you could fire number two. But that is absolutely not the reason. And it's not true. So that's really cool that we talked about that because... It's just not the case. Now, that said, let's say I'm on cat one and I launch an airplane and we talked about how it's the same as a normal Nimitz class. How long do you think it would take a normal shooter flight and topside crew to to launch an airplane as soon as that one hits the end of the the stroke to then load the next airplane, get them in tension, get it ready to go and shoot again with no other restrictions? Just that one cat. Yeah, so that's.
2: That's mostly crew dependent, right? Mm-hmm. And and yeah. I would say, I mean, if a crew is on fire, they can mm-hmm. knock that out in about two minutes. I think we expect two and a half and we plan for three.
1: Yeah. Right. He, I mean, if that rings yeah. a
2: bell at all, we, we plan for a three minute you know, launch to launch. We plan for mm-hmm. three minutes. A crew right. that is, is, is proficient and knows what they're doing. They should be able to hit two and a half minutes. If you've got you know, a team that just is is on fire. You you might mm-hmm. be able to hit 215 two, two You know, for, yeah. for a launch.
1: And so between a Ford, between an imits that number doesn't change. It's all the same.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's and and it, because group. it's yeah. a, it's a limitation of just how fast you can taxi an airplane safely and get mm-hmm. it engaged with the catapult uh and and as far as what you see on the flight deck other than no steam rolling out of the trough you can't mm-hmm. tell the difference it's still a shuttle there's still a launch bar still got a taxi the airplane and all the procedures for the shooter are you know essentially the same
1: so now um we're gonna get to, we're gonna talk some shooter stuff on a later episode maybe we should save that but uh when a shooter is planning to launch an airplane, he's checking the wind speed versus the weight versus the launch valve setting just to make sure that everything is correct. I'm sure emails is very similar. Is it the same? I mean, it, it, how does?
2: Yeah, it, that that CSV setting for Nimitz class carriers, which is what the something selector valve, right? Is it is it common or? Uh, anyway, I know it's a CSP. Yeah. I just yeah. can't remember the the actual name of the of the of the setting. <laughs> I don't either. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it, it you know it basically controls how long the launch valve is open, which tells you how much steam you you add behind the piston right mm-hmm. before it closes. Mm-hmm. So uh, and and then I don't I don't know if we want to let the shooters talk about it or whatever, but the steam they heats can talk up about it as well. Those pistons. <laughs> right and that's where you get and we call that an elongation when the pistons heat up and there i don't you know maybe i don't know how many people know this or not but if you go on the flight deck of a nimitz class carrier and you go to the end of the cat track there is actually a ruler you know like stamped in metal down there with a little pointer on it and when a when a piston heats up it can move as much as six you know six to ten to twelve inches over the course of the day as it gets hotter and hotter and hotter and it becomes a little more efficient as it heats up, and so you have to overcompensate with more steam or more power as the elongs um, expand. So, mm. so they they take into account you know the weather, which essentially equates to density, altitude, how many Bernoullis are floating around the air out there. They take into account the elongs from the catapult, and then of course the. The common sense stuff, how much wind is coming over the deck, because that's that's going to affect how much end speed I need to get that airplane to go flying. So eMalls has none of that, right? You just, mm-hmm. well, no, sorry, let me rephrase that. It the has wind. wind certainly applies. Yeah. The density altitude certainly applies, but there's no such thing as elongs. And I will say that we always say that eMalls is consistent, powerful, and precise. And you're like, well, okay. Remember that on Every single catapult in the United States, every single steam catapult in the United States Navy is different. And meaning they're built the same, right? But they produce a different amount of end speed because of the variabilities of an analog system, right? Like one launch valve might be just a tick faster than another launch valve for the same setting. Right. Uh, The holes get worn at a different rate and they experience different um, environmental factors, et cetera. So, you know, for each catapult, Lakehurst will come down or or VRT will come down and CASU and they will they'll take very precise measurements and say, okay, if we give you exactly this much.
0: Uh, All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Thanks for listening to the Fighter Pilot Podcast and this Authentic Media Snapshot. If you like what you heard, head over to Authentic Media on your favorite podcast platform for complete episodes and a whole lot more. We'll see you next time.